This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the family with Mike Bryant and Andy Brant-Bernard. Alex will be in too. Catherine and Tevin will not be on today, but we are here. We're just mourning the death of Congressman Ron Wright. He died after a fight with COVID. He had cancer, got COVID, and that is not a good combo. Nope. No question. Uh, and also, going into the, into the show, Jamaica is having a cultural embarrassment week. You know why they're culturally embarrassed? Jamaica, why would they be culturally embarrassed? Uh, oh, I, I heard. They're running low on marijuana. <laughs> That's because a hurricane oh, wow. or something wiped it all out. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. We'll be right back. Kick things off with the family. Live or recorded? When you live or recorded? Ah, you recorded. Can right. do. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walls Round Motor Group, Walls.com, and Doug Sprinthal. Nissan news. This is exciting, and I'm glad Andy's here. We just got our first shipments at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan of the all-new 2021 Nissan Rogue. Dude, you need to trade. This is a brand-new vehicle. It's got bird's-eye parking, so when you're backing up, you hit the screen, and it's like a spy satellite above oh. the vehicle, It is, and it's got ProPilot. It is cool. Trade your car in. Well, Melissa said she did like this one better than the last one, so maybe she'll like the next one better than this one. All right. Be like Andy and Melissa and check out the Nissan Rogue. It's been a dream of mine to be like Andy ever since he was born. <laughs> so, yeah, check out these vehicles at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and in Coon Rapids, House of J-Lo and the House of Dan Resch. Tell them Andy sent you. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of stuff going on. Of course, uh, we're going to talk a little Super Bowl with Michael Bryant because his best buddy, Tom Brady, won it. <laughs> and the Gronk. And the Gronk. Let's not forget about him. 
but uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to see the, see the game yesterday. But um, yeah, not getting great reviews. Look, I just like look the story of seven rings. By the time you're 43, yeah. nobody's ever even come close to that. He's got think. more rings than franchise than any franchise. Than any franchise. That's yes. incredible <laughs> when you think amazing. about it. <laughs> it's um, unbelievable. <laughs> And he's got like seven more than the Vikings. Oh, Thank you very true. much. Great to be here. Yeah, that is true. Unbelievable Vikings. I just can't, I still can't believe in 61, 60 years now, they have not won Although a Super Bowl. M- Mrs. Thielen was predicting a Super Bowl run next year. Who's Mrs. Thielen? Uh, the, uh, the wide receiver's wife. Oh, is he um, married? I didn't even know he was married. Yeah, Adam Thielen's wife. Yeah, he she tweets a decent amount, and so oh, she does. She showed a picture of them at home, and uh, that she expected to be at the Super Bowl next year. So, oh, really? Who's going to be in it this year? Because it ain't going to be the Vikings with that quarterback. I can promise you that. Yeah, well, they might trade him. There's talk about yeah, there's yeah. talk about him being part of this uh, this swapping quarterbacks deal that's going around, and he, they, he's really liked by the 49ers coach. Yeah, he is. I know that the mm-hmm. 49ers coach likes him a lot, and so we'd end up with uh, Garoppolo. Garoppolo who's always hurt. Yep. Does Minneapolis have enough porn stars to keep Garoppolo busy? Oh, probably. <laughs> they probably all do now. It doesn't make any difference, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know what the deal is there. I, I just. Um, it's just amazing. It made me think of it again last night. The Vikings have never won a Super Bowl in 60 years now. 1961 was their first season, so 60 years starting this fall. Yeah. You got the Twins have not won a playoff game in 14 years. And you got the Timberwolves and the Wild who've never won anything. Yeah. I mean, what a horrible sports market. It is amazing. All oh, they got the links. You got the, all those championships. Oh, yeah. I forgot. The I forgot. And you got that, a great yeah. women's. Volleyball team with the Gophers. So. Yes, the volleyball team's good. In and the words, hockey team's been good for both the men and the women. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although they've lost a couple of road games now, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But I don't know what to tell you. It's uh, You just keep moving forward. But, yeah, it's just the University of Minnesota uh, football team has not won a national championship in 61 yeah. years now. Which you talked about, you know, the way they broke the color barrier. They should have yeah, done I better. Agree. But for whatever reason, that team has always fallen short. Always. Yeah. This is the first Division One team to allow black players to play, mm-hmm. and they got nothing out of it other than that one championship. Yep. Why they didn't handle that better? And and look, a lot of a lot of Southern blacks are not going to come to Minnesota. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> we don't have enough discos. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Darren Nelson. The Darren Nelson. Well, you don't have any discos. Oh, is that right, Darren? Yeah, but we also don't have a good running back. So, uh, you know. Well, we've had good running backs, though. Not when he was here. Well, that's, that's true. But but we've had uh, the Gophers have put out some great running backs. You know, when you look at it, right. guys have gone and had good pro careers or, or were very talented, you know. So. Who did they pass on again to take Darren Nelson? I can't even remember. Oh, uh, didn't they t- pass on, was oh, it Marcus Allen? Marcus Allen, yeah. that's exactly Yeah, passed on Marcus Allen to take Darren Nelson. Yeah. Well, well we passed on lots of people. We passed on Winfield. Yeah. And they had the big interception last yeah. night. We passed. We passed on I mean, too. the Vikings have passed on a number of people over time. Like good quarterbacks, you mean? Uh, like good quarterbacks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Things yeah. like that, yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. Maybe some people know good quarterbacks, like, say, the run that San Francisco had with uh, Joe Montana, Montana and, and Steve Young. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good run right and there. And Brady was available for a number of rounds. No, he was. No, he was. <laughs> so. It's just unbelievable. It just amazes me. Did I hear Alex breathing? 
Yes. Yeah, I knew that was your breathing. I could tell it was you. I could tell it was you. So did you watch the game yesterday, Alex? You got home in time. Um, I think like four minutes of it. Four, four minutes. minutes? What four like, minutes did you watch? Of the first <laughs> quarter. So before, it's like I watched a little bit of when the, um, oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of what happened. Did you see a Gronk touchdown? I saw a Gronk. I was gonna, just going to say I saw there a Gronk touchdown. That's all yeah. you needed to see. Oh, Perfect. God. He, here we go. They had never scored a touchdown the first quarter as a Patriot Super Bowl. Right. That's what so that, was, that yep. was the big deal was, boom, Gronk with the touchdown right in the for, first quarter. So uh, the ads, I guess, were, were pretty much a flop. The, uh, there were a couple good ads. A there couple was, of them. They said, yeah. The Norway one was good. Oh, Did, was it? The, um, oh, yeah. The one was Shaggy uh, with the It Wasn't Me. That was great. Um, I'm trying to think what else for Oh, the T-Mobile ads were good. What were they? And um, there seems like there was at least one or two more that were – there were a couple ads that were were very good. I heard halftime was dreadful. Eh, You know, it depends on what you think about weekend. You know, I don't, don't even know who that is. You don't? Well, That's the kids, really sad. The kids all do. Oh, all the kids are digging the it. The kids are digging it. <laughs> They're digging weekend. That's all you need to know. He did this gentlemen. weird dizzy thing that was very odd. And he had a jock strap on his head. Why? No, I, did he or the, a bunch of the band did? Oh, the band yeah. did. Okay. Band a did. jock yeah. strap? What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andy Reid wears that big jock strap on he his does. face. That's it's like true. a feedback. <laughs> like, my God, what are you doing? Ah, uh, but what the hell? It, it all works out in the end. But yeah, I just heard that the entertainment was dreadful, um, except yeah. for that woman. Her, I thought she was really good. Her did a great. She did a very good job with the, Man, the guitar could, solo. Yeah, oh. she could sing and play the guitar, and she's a rather attractive young woman and too. Wawa was was doing weird. the doing the uh, the the uh, sign language. Oh no! So now <laughs> a guy can't say that a woman's attractive. It's that's again that's getting weird. I don't. No one needs to know. How you feel about her looks? It's just, not, nothing, it's Jesus, just not an important part of anything. How do I do this? She's a very attractive woman. I mean, she's no Catherine Brandt, but she's okay. How about if I do it that way? No, it just we just don't even need to talk about the way she looks. Why can't you compliment someone for their good looks? What's that? Why is that a problem? Because it's like. Appearance isn't something that a lot of people can help, you know? Like, oh, that guy's nose is crazy. Like, he can't help it. That's the way his face is. And some people are born on that guy. with good faces. And, like, it's just, I don't know. Some people are born with good faces. I like that. They are. That works for me. It's true. They've got the good face. But I don't know. It's just... I don't know. People just always feel like they need to comment on everyone's looks, and it's like just no. That's not what I did at all. I'm going to now that you brought it up, though. You do it all the time. You have to understand something that that as I get older, pretty much all women look very, very pretty to me. Isn't that a good thing? I find a wim- women to be attractive. It's not creepy, creepy at all. <laughs> <laughs> Every woman is, is attractive to me. Like that sounds a little creepy. <laughs> I said pretty. <laughs> Jesus. Never mind. Let's get off that subject before you drive me crazy again. Want to give somebody a compliment? You can't even do that. She seems nice. There we go. We moved on. Who does? Whoever nice. you were talking about. She seems nice. And let's talk about her. something no, yeah. else. Okay. Her. And what does her stand for? 
Yeah, what does her stand Because it's for? all with periods after it. it. So I've, never, I've never so. heard of her before. Uh, apparently, she played the guitar like everything Prince. revealed. Having everything revealed. Whatever the hell that means. Oh, well. Maybe she wants people to comment on the way she looks if everything's revealed. See? Yes. I told you. All I was doing was following the, following the orders. Yep. That's all I'm telling you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not answering. <laughs> silence. Yeah, yeah just si- I got silence. God, isn't the world weird now? Because Morgan Wallen, you know, the country singer that dropped the big N a couple oh, of times, yeah. so they kicked him off the Which, label. Why would you, know, you do that? Why I don't have why a do clue. Why do you use that word with any regularity that, ugh, I don't get it. Apparently he was drunk because he's a country singer, and they're all drunk. Yeah. Oh, well, then. <laughs> they're all drunk. That's shocking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, the amazing thing is the label dropped them, all the concert the halls canceled them, all the rest of it. His sales have skyrocketed yep. after the racial slur. Yeah, there's what? a certain group that yeah does well, yeah, country, respond like that. Yeah, country fans are going to be the biggest market for racial slurs. Well, I think it's more like but, no one heard of this guy until the news decided to plaster his face all over the internet for a month. Well, I like I, I didn't. Heard I'd heard of him. Yeah, I didn't I see very many ads since I only watched four minutes of the Super Bowl, so we only watched one section mm-hmm. of ads, and there was one ad for. 3D Doritos. Those are back. They're back. They're like now in 3D. And I'm like, they had those when I was a kid. They did. I liked them. I liked them better than regular Doritos. Me too. Um, Anyway, it was Matthew McConaughey was like flat. Mm -hmm. And there was a Queen song playing in the background. And I went to search something (laughs) in my phone for, oh, no, for a certain Raffi song that um, Sage wanted to hear. And the first thing that came up was Queen. And it was like a couple minutes after this Queen song had played mm. on the Super Bowl ad. Scary. It's like, it's crazy how quickly yeah. these things, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, five minutes after this person was on the news. It's like, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I'm sure I would guarantee you that 90% of Morgan Wallen's publicity came from them trying to cancel him, ironically. That, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And probably it's, true. It's it's probably all the same, or it's probably a group of people that are buying his albums that are also now boycotting Jeep. Jeep had a had a unite had a unite United States uh, commercial last night with Bruce Springsteen, and a number of people were very outraged by why. The uh, you know, it was I boycott them for being associated with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I like Bruce. There you go. So. We got to take a break. We'll come back in just a couple of seconds. Got a special guest up next, mm-hmm. but I want to read you something before we go. I uh, explain this to me because it makes no sense. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Okay. Increasing the federal minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour by twenty twenty five would cut employment by one point four million and reduce the number of Americans below the poverty line by nine hundred thousand. If one point four million people are going to lose their jobs, why would but the poverty line be reduced by 900,000. It would increase. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That makes no sense, does it? Maybe they meant decrease uh, or maybe they meant unemployment. It's a yeah, it's yeah. a journalist. They're they they do bad jobs these days. You never know what they're I trying see, to say. That? Fif- I'm showing them the big letters to Michael. $15 minimum I, I, wage would cut employment I reduce gotta believe, poverty. If you go to the story it says unemployment. I'm I guessing. I believe that. Yeah. But it says re- employment so far. Well, the ad or the, uh, the title or the headline. 
The headline it says it would it would reduce the number of Americans below the poverty line by nine hundred thousand. Okay. By cutting employment by one point four million. That makes no sense. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. We're gonna have to get back to it. We gotta take a break. We'll be right back. Special guest up next with the family. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO from North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, you work with many different types of businesses. Can you tell me about one of them? Absolutely. Real Fishing was started by a young entrepreneurial couple here in the Twin Cities. They offer guided fishing services during the open water season and ice house rentals in the winter. They came to us with a great idea for their business, but not a lot of experience in getting one off the ground. Now that they're up and running, they've told us how much they appreciate that we listen to their ideas for their business and help them work through all of the contingencies that could come. Knowing that we will be here to help them every step of the way with the capital they need. Yeah, they're not going to get that at just any bank. You need Bilski. Tommy, our whole team at all of the branches take pride in providing outstanding customer service and are ready to help our clients when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. The 2021 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Over 25,000 square feet means the biggest inventory, the best dealer incentives, and limited-time factory rebates. Since there's a pretty good chance you'll be spending 2021 distancing, do it on the family boat you want. Register to win a new Suzuki outboard valued at $5,000. Suzuki, the ultimate outboard. Shop boats, safe distance, and see what's new for 2021 in a heated 25,000-square-foot showroom at Dan Southside Marine in Bloomington. The biggest inventory means you get the boat you want, rigged the way you wanted it, with every rebate and incentive available. Ask about the new Alumacraft competitor FSX, the best new fish ski crossover on the market. It's the 2021 Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine, located six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Same thing. <laughs> Trying to hit the deal. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. Michael Bryant in studio. Andy and Alex in the other studio. Is our guest ready to go? Yep. Gatsby Randolph, how are you? Hey, how's it going, brother? Good morning. We're hanging in there. There's no question about it. Gatsby Randolph from a struggling party promoter in Memphis to the it man of the Hollywood Hills and red carpet. The hilarious film chronicles the meteoric rise of Gatsby Randolph, the it man of the Hollywood Hills and red carpet circuit. The film features appearances by Jay-Z, Beyonce, Diddy, Reese Witherspoon, Kate Beckinsale, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Cedric the Entertainer, Vince Vaughn, Steve Harvey, Scottie Pippen, Jimmy Kimmel, and many, many more. Gatsby, I guess I didn't get the call to be in the movie, huh? Is that the plan? Well, here's the thing. You may be in it and don't even know you're in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I may be in it, but I don't even know I'm in it. Yeah, you know, that's the thing with this movie, man. It, you know, it's an evolving thing. You know, that's sort of, it's a living, breathing thing that doesn't, seems like it doesn't stop. So I'm sure if you're not in part one, this will be a part of part two. So Gatsby, where did you, where, where, where were you born and where did you grow up? I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. I grew up in Memphis, Oh, you did? Okay. Life. The majority of my life in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, as an adolescent. And, uh, you know, he's a kid with the big imagination in uh, middle America. Indeed. So you ended up uh, in Los Angeles. 
Correct. How, how, how many years ago was that you went to Los Angeles? Oh, man, it's been seven years now. So Seven years? Well, and just to give you some context, even though it's been seven years, I was trying to get out here for a long time. So, you mm-hmm. know, in, in Tennessee, you know, I was a party promoter and a DJ, and I, I just wanted to have an imprint on culture from a national standpoint, like most of us do, right? Just big fish in small town. You just want to know mm-hmm. that you play on the large, biggest stage, the world's biggest stage. And um, my senior year in high school, I was having a conversation with my parents about not wanting to go to college and pursue entertainment. They practiced medicine, so they thought that was insane. And um, I told them, I said, hey, well, you guys are probably going to want to cut me off if I don't go to college, and that's okay. But I need to go to Los Angeles um, for a weekend um, before I graduate high school to, to sort of figure it out. And so instead mm-hmm. of going on my senior trip, I literally got on a plane and flew to L.A. by myself. And once I got here, I realized there was an award show going on and mingled my way to the, uh, to the award show. And that whole weekend sort of changed my life because once I got onto the red carpet, literally everyone thought I was a, a child actor or a teen actor. And when I got back to class on Monday, I had all these agents and celebrities calling my phone like, hey, uh, you want to go to the Ivy for lunch and talk about what we talked about this weekend? And I was just back yeah. in class in Tennessee. And so that sort of changed. That sort of, like, you know, fueled me wanting to come to L.A. And then, you know, finally, two years after that moment, I made it back to L.A. And I was, uh, so I've been here totally for seven years now. That is terrific. So, how did how did this whole who is uh, Gatsby Randolph? Yeah. How did it how did it come about? Well, so basically, what happened was I didn't know I was going to make a movie at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I was going to be. I was like I said, I was a, a DJ in Tennessee. I was a DJ, party promoter. He even opened up a nightclub when I was really young. I opened up a nightclub at age two that uh, was, was pretty big and, and first of its time. It was like an ultra lounge. Cabanas and airlifts coming from the ceiling. It was it was sort of nice. It was nice, um, but still, I wanted more, and so I started uh, managing talent. And oh, I thought, okay. man, I started managing talent. I thought that you know, me getting someone a record deal would be the official validation of oh, I can I can go to Hollywood now because you know, unlike most industries, when there's not a blueprint of 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 how to do it, and there's no real validation. In Hollywood, it's like, if I want to be a doctor, right, you can just go to medical school and eventually someone's going to give you a certificate that says, hey, you're now a doctor. But when you want to mm-hmm. do something in arts and entertainment, when are you officially legit versus a wannabe? You know what I'm saying? So I was chasing the validation of being officially legit uh, entertainment figure. And so I thought to do, to do that at the highest level, I needed to demand someone and get someone arrested. Yet. So... That puts me in this rabbit hole of, of, of going down that path, and I started managing someone, and I got a call one day from uh, Universal Republic that they wanted to sign, you know, my artist. So after 10 years of hard working, you know, a big fish in a small town scenario, Hollywood finally called, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to get a million dollar check because that's what we discussed. So under, under you know, that understanding, <laughs> I fly to L.A., I come to L.A., you know, um, at 9 o'clock in the morning. The first meeting at Universal goes great, and then we have a second meeting that evening. And in the second meeting, this executive walks in who's not aware of sort of what's going on, and he ruins the deal. And I literally see 
what I think is going to be a million dollar uh, contract get balled up and thrown away in the trash. Oh, I'm homeless. I have nowhere to go. I'm, I'm in LA now, and so. Um, but what I what I had started to do was just record my journey the whole time. So, you know, the last ten years I was recording my journey because my my thing was this: either I'll become the next P Diddy or Jay Z and become a, a music mogul, or if none of this works, I'll just record everything, turn it into a movie, and fill my life right. <laughs> I'm about this journey, so- and so. It looks like we're on the ladder right now. So what happened mm-hmm. was, so when I lose a deal, okay, um, I'm, I'm in L.A., and um, I don't know what I'm going to do. So the next morning, I had a cousin who lived in South Central. Now, keep in mind, I'm thinking I'm getting a million-dollar check at 9 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock at night. I'm homeless. nowhere to go. So I called my cousin who lived out here, and, and we weren't that close, but he, he did live out here. He lives in South Central. And so I go to the hood, and I'm on... Uh, you know, a cot, like, in a studio apartment, and I can't sleep. And I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, you know, this is never going to happen to me again. First thing I need to do is I need to reinvent myself and turn into a, a character. And then I turned into Gatsby Randolph. I was like, I need to be a young black aristocrat. I need to know everyone in town. And um, so I literally do that, and I still record, record myself. And I remember the first thing I did, I was like, yo, when people meet you in L.A., they... um they need to know you have people, you know, who, who's a buffer. Like, everyone's important. And I'm just taking things that I've seen on TV. So I was like, yo, I don't have a manager or a PR company, but what if I create an agency? So I create a fictitious Jewish PR company called The Cohen Company. <laughs> Gatsby? You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, so I create this company called The Cohen Company. This, my, this is my second day in L.A. My second day in L.A. I do this. I create The Cohen Company. If you look on the website, it represents all these, you know, famous people, and you know, Jamie Cohen is the one who runs it. But um, then I created like the avatar for the employees. So I had like people like Stephanie Schwartz. She works for the company, <laughs> right? But I'm controlling it all. So I did that. And when I had that done, I was like, okay, now I need a reason for people to want to call me back. Like, why would anyone want to call me back if we had a yeah. conversation? Yeah. What's the relevancy? So since I came from nightlife, I was like, yo, I need to throw a party in 30 days. So when I talk to someone, I can have a follow-up by inviting them to the party. So I make up this other website called the Secret Dinner Society, sponsored by Moody Hennessy. I never talked to Moody Hennessy. It just sounded right. Moody Hennessy, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moody Hennessy, Secret Dinner Party, Secret, uh, uh, the, the Secret Society Dinner Party, right? So I do that. And then I, and maybe, like, mind you, this is still my second day in L.A. Maybe it's like 2 o'clock. And so when I finish that, Eventually, I got hungry, and I was like, I can either, you know, go to Wendy's to the 99-cent menu, or I can just drive around Bel Air and Beverly Hills and see if anyone's setting up a red carpet. Because in L.A., there's a charity event every day before COVID, right. and then it, and then at the charity event, they're going to have prime ribs, they're going to have, you know, a bony and filet, they're going to have caviar for free. <laughs> so I literally just hopped in my car and drove around, and I saw someone setting up a production tent. And when I saw the production tent, mind you, I come from nightlife, so I know what that means. Oh, and Venice about to take place. I like mm-hmm. Superman. I went to the gas station. I put on the tuxedo that I had in the back of my trunk, and then I went onto the red carpet. And now, as I'm walking onto the red carpet, there's police everywhere. There's police everywhere as I'm walking onto the red carpet, and I don't know what I'm going to do. But I hear this older gentleman, like, say, "Hello, son, can you help me?" And he, and he I felt his his 
arm on my shoulder. I turn around <laughs> and it's Sidney Poitier. So, oh, yeah. So Sidney Poitier is like, hey, can you help me? Uh, I, I, I need to get in. So I help him. I escort him in past the cops. So no one says anything to me. So <laughs> now that we pass the cops and we're going into uh, the gala, uh, he's like, where are you, where are you sitting at? I'm like, oh, I'm sitting on the other side. He's like, oh, well, just come over to my table. I want to introduce you to my friend. So I'll walk over wow. to his table, and his two friends who he introduced me to is Oprah Winfrey and Gail King. So huh. now there's no. another thing. So I just sit down. From that moment there, I invited everyone that night to the event I was doing in 30 days. But every day leading up to the 30 days, I literally would just go to these events for something to eat. And I started to become very, very popular as Gatsby Randolph, this alias. So mind you, I'm recording all of this. I'm recording this, and then this roller coaster ride of events start to take place, and which leads me all the way to um, the end of the film, which is I'm at Vanity Fair's Oscar party, making the Oscar accepting speech for an Oscar that I had never won, but everyone assumed that I had won this Oscar. And when I woke up in the morning, I literally looked at all my social media, and I was like, "Yo." What if I just make a movie about my experiences that shot in real time? So, mind you, the, the first two years I was out here, from being homeless to Oscar night, I didn't know I was making a film, but I was just recording stuff, putting it on social media. Right. Now, right. the next five years, once I looked at all my social media and I looked at all the pictures and I had the story I wanted to tell, I went back and relived the first two years of my life for the next five years, recording it in real time. So mean, like the scene where me and Jay-Z's in the film, it's the scene where something happened in real life before me not knowing I was going to make a movie. And then after I wrote the script, I had to go find Jay-Z again in real time with this time with the camera crew and record everything. So that's how we did the whole entire film was like shooting it in real time, not knowing when these moments were going to happen. So I pretty much been on set for like the last five years. So, did it come out earlier, and now it's coming out again, or is it when? When was this released? No, the, the film released is February twenty third. Oh, it's coming. Okay. Yes, yes. The film releases February twenty third. It just so happens we're getting a lot of hype right now because okay. we're Oscar contenders. So you know the, the Academy has qualified us for the Oscar, and people think. You know, we get a lot of a lot of feedback, like we have a good chance of winning. You know, I think our chance of winning is good. So now it's people are really, really, really tuning into the story. Um, the general public, Hollywood has sort of known about it for a while. It was a lot of rumors. Mm-hmm. Is this ever going to come out or not? <laughs> but uh, now we're here. Gatsby, do you have another segment in you? Can, can, can we take a two-minute break and can you come back? Do you have 10, 15 more minutes? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, I have, I have to ask you a question. How did you come up with the name Gatsby Randolph? How did you come up with yeah. that name? Um, you know, it, when people ask me that, they usually think I'm just talking about Fitzgerald's character. But right, even though right, we have a lot of similarities, it's not exactly where I came up with it from. Like, the character itself is a fragment of my imagination based on mm-hmm. ideals that I saw as a kid about Hollywood. And, like, <laughs> so what it's like to be in Hollywood. So, uh, take... Um, whether it's my grandfather listening to Nat King Cole in his white dinner jacket or whether yeah. 
you know, me seeing Sinatra, you know, before, like, archive footage of Sinatra performing at Madison Square Garden, me, you know, the, the unfiltered humor of Eddie Murphy uh, in, in Raw, me, um, you know, the, the, the charm of uh, Will Smith in Six Degrees of Separation. So all of these just ideals of what I thought the personification of someone in Hollywood would be is Gatsby Randolph. So that was sort of where I came up with the, the mode and the feel for the character and then the actual name. I was just like, yo, what is the name that is just, you know, reminds you of an aristocrat? It's a guy who's just a modern-day renaissance to me. And I was like, my last, my last name already sounds Waspy. So I was like, what if it's Gatsby Randolph? And it waspy? Wasby? Now, as we go to break, I got to tell you one thing, Gatsby. You gave me the right answer because you probably know this, but the man who wrote The Great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and this is, I'm not making this up, but someday somebody's going to ask you about this. So now you, you can thank me, Tommy, for straightening it out because nobody dropped the big N more in their books than F. Scott Fitzgerald. So be ready for that question. All right? Yeah, I will. Thank That's you. true. Did you know? Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, now you're ready. It's like nope. It had nothing to do with F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's just a good name. Not, not a problem. We took care of you on that one, Gatsby. I love it. Hold on one second. We'll be back in two minutes more. You got you got ten more, right? Ten, fifteen more. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Perfect. Great talking to you, Gatsby. Gatsby Randolph. Be right back in two minutes. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. List it on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole or waiting too long to replace that car battery. But number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant. Whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. The movie 
Who is Gatsby? Randolph is a documentary slated for release in February. Uh, Gatsby, you said that was it the twentieth, twentieth of February? Is that when you said it comes February 23rd. out? Twenty third. Yeah, February twenty third. Okay, February twenty third, ladies and gentlemen. A couple of weeks from tomorrow. Uh, it's going to yeah, come out with a considerable amount of awards, buzz, preceding the highly anticipated release. The film chronicles the meteoric rise of Gatsby Randolph from a struggling party promoter in Memphis to the it man of Hollywood. Uh, Gatsby, let me ask you a question. This is kind of a personal question. You're a very smart guy, and it's, you know, you talked about your father uh, getting all, all dude up and, and, you know, listening to great music and all that. Where, where, did you get your, your ideas... Does your brain work the way it does because of your mother and father, because of your parents? Where did you get your intelligence from? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think that uh, for my parents, my grandfather was very, very similar uh, to my personality. Okay. And, uh, yeah, my grandfather was like, he was like Nat King Cole. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was love a, a man of the town, you know, loved great music, always had great dinner parties. So I was just influenced at a young age of just sort of seeing, um, just, just seeing people of class. You know what I mean? People of class and people of technical. Mm-hmm. So, and then I just had a big imagination. I, I, I honestly feel that, you know, my greatest weapon is my, uh, my, my blind ignorance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, <laughs> for real. Yeah. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm confidently, I'm, I'm confident because I'm ignorant. You know what I mean? To a lot of things. Uh, ignorance to the danger. I love that. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't mind doing it because I don't know how it could hurt you or, you know, the fear of rejection. So that helped me very, very early on. You know, as we get older, we get more, you know, subconscious of things. But early on, I didn't care. Even with that big imagination, did you ever have any imagination like what happened with uh, going to that party and meeting Sydney? Um, you know, I, I think that all our, our, our experiences shape our beliefs and our beliefs shape our actions, right? So I probably thought would have thought that was unrealistic had I not come mm-hmm. out here when I was in high school. Because mind you, that, that moment changed my life because yeah. I realized, like, when you're growing up, the funny thing about L.A. is if you're not from L.A. and you're growing up in middle America and you're watching TV and films your whole life, well, when you come to L.A., you're now in the movie. And I'm not talking about in the sense of, like, you're on set in a film. I'm saying, no, the world of L.A., the geographical location, it's like your imagination and your reality collide because you see every location and every person who are in the movies you love and then you're in the movie. So, you know, if had I not come to L.A. when I was in high school and had that crazy experience, then I would have thought right. all of this was unrealistic. But... Mind you, as soon as I got off the plane, it was the 48 hours of a whirlwind of events that everyone thought I was saying. <laughs> Whatever the reason, because I was young and I had on a Brioni suit and I was on the red carpet, everyone thought that I was in a TV show and I was in high school. So when I came back to high school for the next 10 years, because there's no social media at this time, no one knows about this experience I've had. But I know about the experience. And I'm just like, I have to get back to L.A. I have to get back to L.A. Because if I can get there, you know... Uh, I, I think I'll find success. So, um, did I know I would my second day bump into Sydney Portier? No. Did I know, like, you know, the event of this movie that you're going to see that happened? No. And is it extremely unrealistic? I would I would say it's realistic because it's happened, but it's extremely rare. It's an extremely rare experience. And so, you know, nothing surprises me at this point. 
Yeah, that's a wonderful <laughs> thing, I think. And nothing should surprise you. Ballpark, Gatsby, how old are you? I'm in my early 30s. You're in your early thirties, yeah. Okay, well, that's see, that's a good thing because you're you're young enough to still be able to hit it big, but you're old enough to be wise and not be taken advantage of out there in L.A. Because there are a lot of weird people out there, Gatsby. There's no doubt about that. Tell me about it. Yeah, tell me about it. You know, it's funny. I always like to say this. It's um, when I first came out here. Every day, something in in L.A. LA is one of those few places on earth where your actions today can affect your reality and the world's reality tomorrow. Meaning, you can go somewhere in LA today and do something that makes the world news tomorrow, and then it can affect the world tomorrow, right? And so, Mm -hmm. um, my actions, like in my first 30 days, I was telling my my best friend, Sean, who's my co star of the film, I was like, yo. I think when I came to L.A., God did a deal with me that said, any wild, unrealistic thing that you want to do that seems challenging, I'm going to make that the easiest thing possible. I don't care if it's like, hey, you need to go to Lionel Richie's house tonight for a meeting, and you guys are going to want to write a song. I'm going to make that happen for really no money and little effort, as long as you just attempt to do it. Now, anything basic and ordinary that you want to do, if you try to do that, is going to be the worst experience ever. <laughs> and this is what I mean by that. Yeah. yeah. Going to Vanity Fair after the party, going to the Grammys and sitting on the front row, never had a ticket, never had a problem, every connection made, meeting Jeff Bezos, developing a relationship with him, never had a, a problem doing that. But if I wanted to just meet a girl at a bar and say, oh, this is just a regular girl at a bar, you know, uh, let's go out for dinner. It would be the worst date ever. Like, my car would get told. My credit card was worse. <laughs> like, it was so bad. So I just stopped doing regular right. stuff. I was like, no. I was like, I think someone tried to tell me, like, I sent you there for a reason to, to chase your dreams. So only do that. <laughs> so that's how it was, you know. So that's always a, a, a funny story I can tell about, you know, the reality of sort of how I felt when I first got started. You know, Gatsby, it, it, it's pretty incredible because a lot of people would not have the nerve, the confidence, and the ability to do what you've done. A lot of people would be scared to death and they wouldn't be able to pull it off, but you pulled it off. Yep. Well, and I try to say, and I try to, I think it's, it's one of those things that much past the superficial glitz and glam of what you see in the film, what I want people mm-hmm. to take away from it is understanding that your thoughts are real and your thoughts become reality, right? And the, in life, especially in Hollywood, but in life, we're hit with this dilemma a lot of the time. A lot of the time, we're hit with, you come to Hollywood, you want to be whatever you want to be. There's a right to pass to it, whether it be a makeup artist or Jennifer Lopez. And all the opportunities, so you come here and all the opportunities are in a certain room, whether that be an award show or party or whatever. Now, if you're a nobody like myself, they won't let you in. And everyone in the room is a somebody. But in order to become a somebody, the opportunities are in the room with the somebody. So how does a nobody become a somebody if you can't even get in the room? And I think right. that's mm-hmm. that, no. that dilemma we face in Hollywood and a lot of times in life. So what has to happen is before they validate you to be in the room, you have to already know you belong in the room. And I think it was yep. that, that attitude that, you know, made this thing possible. No, I think it's probably right. 
Um, you're being treated. Again, I look at the, the list of names, the people that you've run into, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Diddy, Reese Witherspoon, Kate Beckinsale, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Cedric the Entertainer, Vince Vaughn, Steve Harvey, Scottie Pippen, Jimmy Kimmel. Does everybody treat you well? Are some people kind of standoffish? Some people kind of go, what's this all about? No, it, no it's, it's all up because you got to keep in mind, you know, no one knew I was making a movie when I was making it. Oh, okay. But, all right. So, so, so everyone was just, they're in it. And that's why I think that, you know, the film will do well. Is I think the people who you just named are going to be the main people who promote the film because they mm-hmm. live, they live that. Most of these people are still an Oscar <laughs> Like, I don't want to give them yeah, away, yeah. but like I said, at the end of the film, the world thinks that I won an Oscar. You know what I'm saying? So these are, are people who have come to my party. They throw huge, you know, part lavish, you know, black tie galas in the hills, and I became very popular for that. So these people have lived and experienced this roller coaster ride with me. Now they just didn't know the story of how it all came to be, which they'll find out when they watch the film. But, you know, it, it, it's been all love. It is a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, watchnow.blkpr. Uh, P-R-I-M-E, uh, watchnow.blackprime.com, but it's just B-L-K, Gatsby Randolph. you got to come to, when are you coming to Minneapolis-St. Paul, Gatsby? Man, I would love to. I, I, you know, when, as soon as it gets warm, maybe this summertime, I'll come. <laughs> Gatsby, <laughs> you big baby. Warm, that was the right answer I there. I love to come up. I love, I, I love, I love uh, you know, the Minneapolis town, so, you know, I would love to come up. Uh, you know, great music, you know, um, beautiful people, so I would love to have, to have me up. And, you know, I'd do like a full race and give you the full Gatsby experience. I love it, man. We'd, I'd love to sit down and talk to you face-to-face sometime. You make a hell of a guest, Gatsby. I'm, I'm really proud of you because you got, a, you got an idea, you followed through in the idea, and you made it come true. That's how successful people work, Gatsby. Thank you, man. And when you see this film, this has never been done before. There's this, you know... I speak sort of mildly about it because I'm in it and I've been living it, but there's never been a film. I'm, I'm coining this as the most exclusive movie because there's never been a film with the list of names that you've all named in one film. There's also never been a film right, right, where it was sure. actually shot at, on Oscar night at Vanity Fair Oscar party, which is hmm. maybe the most exclusive party in the world. There's never been a film hmm. shot yeah. in real time. Like, in this movie, in our scenes, if we were robbing a bank, and the cops shoot somebody. In, in, in our movie, that person's really dead. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> the movie has good editing, so you start to forget what you're seeing on screen is real. And that's what I want to drive home. It's like, you know, at any given point, this movie doesn't happen if a few things don't go right. If one of these right. pieces of the G-Star puzzle is missing, we don't have a movie. And that's never been done before and captured on, on screen. So, you know, we really want to just be groundbreaking and making a... You know, cinema history, to be honest. No doubt about it. The movie is called Who is Gatsby Randolph? It is available on February 23rd. And then Gatsby's going to come to town, and I'm going to take him around and everybody tell him he's my he's my cousin. It's going to be perfect. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Once you get into... All right. Gatsby, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Thank you, man. You guys have a great week. You too. Gatsby Randolph, ladies and gentlemen. Again, watchnow.blkprime.com. That kid's got some confidence. He does. He, he was shook a little bit when I told him about what <laughs> F. Scott Fitzgerald did, though, because he did not know that. But it's good that he knows it now, don't you think? That is true. 
I mean, it's a good thing to know that because, yeah, nobody dropped the N-bomb more than F. Scott Fitzgerald, man. Now, look, that was 100 years ago, so it was a different time. No question about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, can you imagine having the, the, the guts to get up there in front of all these famous people and just start talking to them like you're one of them? <laughs> Sitting down with Oprah Winfrey? Yeah, I mean, he pulled it off. Sidney Poitier takes him over to sit down with Oprah Winfrey. That's <laughs> my pretty friends. Good. Hey, my buddy. Hey, my buddy's here. Now nah, we're talking. Everything is good. So, what do you guys think of that interview? You're younger people. What do you think of it? Well, you know my opinion on Hollywood. Hey, you know you're not a big fan. That is true. How about Alex? Did you like it? Uh, he seems like a very nice and exciting person. Like he's he does wants to just. Well, I think he did a good job. Yeah, but the industry is not something I can, you know, speak with too. Yeah, that's not your cup of tea at all. No, he it's not. Was interest? He was interested when he talked about documentaries being real. It's like, well, that's kind of the theory behind a documentary. But. Being real, yeah, documentary being real is nice, but well, no, but how many aren't me. though? That's the thing. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I watched that amazing Jonathan uh, this oh, weekend. Yeah, I saw and that. Four doc. The guy had four documentaries going all at the same time. All these different crews coming and going. It's like, what the hell? What are you doing, man? Oh, and I want to do the deal where we'll videotape me smoking crack if you'll smoke crack. Uh, I don't I think know. I'd do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a good choice right there. Yeah, don't do that. That'd be a good thing. We shall take a break. Be back in just about five minutes for the hour two. And, of course, at the end of hour two, Kostaki Economopolis will join us. It's all up next with the family.